church family trust you all well and if you're sick of talking to the dog and you want to give me a call sometime uh, for someone else to talk to then then give me a call I went shopping uh, for the first time the other day and I was looking for a camouflage shirt searched everywhere I couldn't find one so today we're still on our search for Jesus in our where's Wally series and this is number three if you want to look back at the other two you can And what we've discovered is that Jesus is actually not camouflaged. He's actually hiding in plain sight in the Old Testament. Last week, for example, I looked at some of the descriptions and the expectations that the Israel leaders had of this Messiah. And we noticed in Daniel chapter 7 that Jesus wasn't hidden. He He was out there. He was actually proclaiming that he was the Son of Man, that he would arrive on the clouds, that he would establish his kingdom on earth and that all nations would recognize him and that they would uh, that the Jews thought that they would rule with him but that didn't happen in Jesus time and so the Jewish leaders rejected him so today we're going to ask a question what convinced the disciples that Jesus was a messiah what convinced them that he was the holy one the, the anointed one or the son of god or the son of man If there's only one answer to that question, the thing that ultimately convinced them would be the resurrection, because that's the one event that actually sealed the deal for the disciples, and it turned them from being scared and hiding in an upper room into being bold and out there, disciples declaring the gospel of Jesus, and they were willing to die for it. But if it was just the resurrection that would convince them that Jesus was the Messiah, they wouldn't have followed Jesus for three years. They wouldn't have committed that amount of time to following him. There was something about Jesus that made them follow him for that amount of time. And Peter and Nathaniel wouldn't have declared, yes, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, sort of midway through Jesus' ministry. So how did they know? And I believe that God revealed Jesus to these disciples through the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus said to him that you are blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. He did not learn this from any human being. So exactly how the Father revealed it to Peter, we're not sure. We're not told. But what we do know is that God always speaks 
before he acts. And that way we know it's God and it's not some random act and some fluke. And if, God, if what God tells the prophets is actually fulfilled in historic events and usually to the detail, then we know that this is actually God. This is God at work. It's hard, it's solid evidence for, for the fact that God actually exists and that he's, he's inserted himself, that he's become incarnate into our history, into our timeline. And I've shared this principle of scripture before, but today I want us to view the entire Old Testament as a messianic, prophetic message. A messianic, prophetic message, just speaking the whole of the Old Testament, actually declaring that Jesus is the one to come, that he is the Messiah to come. The Messianic message is not written fully in one text. It's not written out and spelled out for us clearly. That would be too easy to fabricate and create some sort of backstory. You know, someone could come up with the idea that Jesus is actually just fulfilling what was what was in the Old Testament. Plus, God is a lot more fun than that. God actually wants us to seek Him. Somewhere between 1802. In 1869, a man named Ernest Wilhelm Henstenberg was converted to Christianity, and he explains that his conversion was a divine intervention. Using his own conversion as a model, he set out to see where else in Scripture that God intervened in history. He explains that God's intervention is like a rock that's being thrown into a fast-moving river. He explains that For a second or so, you see the splash, and then it's gone. And even the ripples just disappear because the river just flows so quickly. For Heinstenberg, the divine revelations of Messianic prophecies consist of of similar miraculous events. They, They happen in the midst of an event, and if you blink, you miss it. I'm sure that most of the Old Testament people that were actually involved in an event really were unaware that what was being told through them was a messianic prophetic message. Uh, author John Salehammer explains uh, Heinstenberg's splashes like flashes of a light, light bulb back in the 1950s when a picture was taken, a flash would go off and a picture would be taken and for a second everyone would be blinded by the light. And what would be left is a picture. And he takes this picture of analogy further. He says that each picture, this is Sailhammer, that each picture is like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. On their own, an individual piece doesn't really make much sense at all. Not until you have the whole picture. When you see the whole picture, you can align the individual piece with the whole picture and it starts to make sense you start to put the puzzle pieces together you can imagine what it would have been like back in the Old Testament without any of the big picture of the New Testament that you've just got all of these puzzle pieces that don't really make a lot of sense but after the resurrection the disciples really had the big picture they had the whole picture of what Jesus was like and they began to piece these puzzles together. Unfortunately for the Jewish leaders, Jesus had died, 
and they'd missed they missed the big picture they'd moved on they were looking for the next messiah and still are and so they they really missed uh, the big picture and weren't able to put the small pieces together but the early church and the disciples on the other hand the resurrection and all of the other parts of the puzzle were starting to come together in relation to the old, the prophecies of the old testament so in our search for Je- for who jesus is i find these analogies a really helpful way of looking at the old testament and the new testament it's because you can't take you can't just take one photo from the old testament and say oh, that's a picture of jesus you, you can't do that but if you take the whole picture if you take all of the events all of the prophecies all of the promises then you can start piecing together that this is who Jesus is and this is part of the messianic prophecies that were being foretold for example in John chapter 1 verse 49 to 51 it says then Nathanael exclaimed Rabbi you are the son of God the king of Israel Jesus asked him do you believe this just because I told you that I'd seen you under the fig tree you will see greater things than these. And then Jesus said, I, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus was speaking to these young Jewish men. And they've grown up hearing the stories of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so when they heard Jesus talk about this stairway that goes up to heaven, their minds would have went straight to the story of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and he travelled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at at a good place to set up camp and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from heaven to earth. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you, and I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as dust on the earth. And they were spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east and to the north and and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And what's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I've promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and he said, What an awesome place is this. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. And the next morning Jacob got up very early and he took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured olive oil all over it. And he named the place Bethel, which means the house of God although it was previously called Luz. I mean, that was a dream that Jacob had. And he had no idea that roughly 
That was 2,000 years before Jesus, roughly. And he had no idea that some person called Jesus would claim that he is the stairway that the angels were going up and down on, the gateway between heaven and earth. All he knew was that this something miraculous had happened to him, that God, a divine intervent, someone divine had intervened in his thought pattern. And when he woke up in the morning, he knew something spiritual had happened, and so he anointed the rock. He actually anointed the rock, and he named it the house of God. And later on, it actually became a sanctuary or a place of worship for, the, for Israel. The Old Testament is riddled with these divine interventions. And when we piece them all together, we start getting a bigger picture of who Jesus is. Is Jesus the stairway to heaven? Well, yes, but that's only part of who he is. I don't think it's a fluke that in John chapter 2, the very first miracle that Jesus did was a demonstration of his transformational power. Directly after he told the story about being the link between heaven and earth, he makes another link. He turns water to wine. And we know that later on, when uh, before Jesus died, he actually told the disciples that this wine represents my blood. And it was not the first story in the Bible that turns water to blood. You remember the story in Exodus, Exodus chapter 7, when Moses strikes the water with his stick and the water turned, the river Nile turned to blood. In this first miracle, Jesus was declaring that I am this transforming power. I'm, I'm transforming the old natural system, if you like, into a spiritual-based system. And it's all based on my blood. And it was no fluke that this was the best wine that the hosts or the guests had ever tasted. And I find it interesting that no one but the servants knew where this wine had come from. Those who believe in Jesus are considered servants of God. And we know where Jesus has come from. We know how these things happen. Because the Old Testament... Plus the Father has revealed it to us. We have the privilege of holding both the Old Testament, which is just a bunch of puzzle pieces, and the New Testament, which is the actual fulfilment of Jesus and all of the puzzle pieces together. We have the privilege of actually bringing these two pieces together in our time and seeing what God has done, that this Messiah has been prophesied right through from the beginning of time literally right through to when he's to his death that he was the messiah he was the one to come so if you are yet to know come to know jesus can just pray just ask god to reveal jesus to you because the promise in scripture is that if you seek me you will find me and jesus is is hidden in plain sight he's easy to find if you seek him he is the central figure of the entire world. All of the Old Testament looks forward to Jesus and all of the New Testament and the early church, we all look back towards Jesus. He's the central figure of history. And our lives evolve around him, including our salvation and including our life after death. If you want to take the journey from earth to heaven, 
then Jesus is the stairway to God. He is the only stairway. He's the only way to God. So simply accept by faith that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God who died, that he rose again, that he took the penalty for your sin. Confess your sin to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and you will be saved. Let's pray that prayer now. Jesus, I believe that you are the anointed stone, the stairway to heaven, that you are the Son of God who died and rose again. And I confess my sin to you and I ask for your forgiveness today. I trust that you prayed that prayer from your heart. And if you have, then welcome to the spiritual family of God. You have been brought into a family with a great history and a great future. See you next week. Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign on the ocean floor, with me in the calm, with me in the storm. Sovereign in my greatest joy, sovereign in my deepest cry.